Hello and welcome to Founder Sessions, the podcast where we get a real look into the lives of startup founders. Merry Christmas, everyone. It's a Christmas special episode with the original founder of Founder Sessions, <laughs> kind of founder squared, if you like. I've been excited to record this episode for a while, I must say, and it doesn't disappoint. Carl gives us an insight into what inspired him to start Founder Sessions to begin with. And I just think it's a really cozy kind of conversation where we get a nice overview of Carl's life in startup and we kind of get a bit of information about what he's working on now. We'll be taking a short break into the new year, but rest assured there will be a whole new year of great Founder Sessions in 2023. I'd like to lend my thanks to Flow Workspaces and particularly Hamish for the recording space and North Star Ventures for their partnership and support as well. Enjoy this special episode of Founder Sessions and Merry Christmas, everyone. So hi Carl, how's everything going? Alex, going really well. Uh, nice to spend the day here at Flow because it's uh, quite a cool, place to be uh, and see the appeal to work from here and obviously Hamish, Hamish who runs it is always always a good time. Yeah, it really is actually, it's a nice place isn't it to spend some time, it's quite a relaxing place in a way um, because everyone's doing something at such a frantic pace it kind of makes life feel a bit more normal <laughs> somehow when you're super busy. To seeing other people embracing their own chaos and it's like this is fine, I'm, I'm dealing with my chaos as well so is everybody else. Yeah, so what in your own words, do you do right now? What do I do? Well, I put it down to simply is I help Northeast startups and scale-ups. Mm. And I do that with TechNation. So TechNation is a UK-wide organization set up to support the UK tech scene. My role in that company is the scale-up engagement manager for the Northeast. That's a fancy title. But essentially, it is just that engage with Northeast founders find out what's happening, what's going well, what isn't going so well, and understand how I or Technation can support them. Mm, it sounds like quite um, a role that requires a lot of empathy to me, because like you were just saying about how people uh, can cancel meetings at the last minute because they're founders and they're really busy and they're always kind of running from one thing to put out a fire in another thing. Is that something that you experienced yourself being good at when you weren't doing this role as well. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mention empathy because we had a team day in London, I think about a month or so ago. Mm. And before this team day, we, we were set a survey and it was, a, you know, it was a anonymous. So everybody in my team uh, did it. And the first keyword that came up in a question was, as a SEM, what is um, sort of the characteristic of your role or something like that. Yeah. And the first one was empathy. So it's it's interesting that you brought that up. But yeah, I think dealing with entrepreneurs, dealing with busy people, mm. you, you got to understand that there's 101 things that they are dealing with in that one day. Yeah. And having a chat with me or anyone else in, in my role across the country might not be a priority to them. Mm -hmm. And and when you do get that call, when you you know, you, you get the opportunity to speak to, to founders and things, being empathetic to understand that they're gonna have problems, they're gonna come with you with problems. Yeah. And you've got to be 
completely real with them mm. and be like, understand, you've got this problem, how can I help? And then it normally leads to a open and honest conversation, which is which is always good. Yeah. And empathy before this, yeah, you know, doing the podcast uh, before handing over to you, your good self, it was <laughs> understanding people more mm-hmm. and emphasizing, being yeah. empathetic with, with their stories and journeys. So, yeah. Empathy is a is a is a huge one. Yeah, I suppose it's a kind of leading question because I I obviously know you started the podcast <laughs> and stuff, and I was a huge fan of it um, while you were hosting it. Um, and so, what led you to start Founder Sessions? Um, I think it was a bit nosy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think it was a bit nosy around the 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 entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. You know, what is an entrepreneur? Mm-hmm. And then when you, you go down that sort of rabbit hole, should we say, mm-hmm. you find out that entrepreneurs are, you know, just regular people like you and me trying to solve a problem that's bigger than themselves and things like that. But I think it's that curiosity that led me to start a podcast. Yeah. It was really a, an itch that I wanted to scratch. Um, yeah, just because I was nosy, I was curious about it. I wanted to know what made people tick, but I didn't want to know the the glitz and glam. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't really care if they've got a success story. Yeah, I care more about how they got there, mm-hmm. and, and that I think is a unique space where you really find out the trials and tribulations of how they got where they were. Yeah, and the stories that came out of it were were great, and the and the people that. I chatted with were even greater. I mean, chatting to uh, Peter Hopwood, who is a TEDx speaker coach. You know, he he trains people how to go out on that stage and do those talks. That was amazing. Speaking to Rob Napoli, who's in Brooklyn, New York, about his time as a as an entrepreneur, how it's took him from Midwest America to Milan, then back to New York. It's uh, unique and it's because of the podcast I've been blessed with those conversations yeah did, was there a moment when you were just walking down the street and it hit you that a podcast is the right way to kind of satisfy that curiosity um no but I can tell you when I when I really thought about the podcast it's sort of that um that week of nothingness between Boxing Day and New Year's Eve. <laughs> you know, those <laughs> days, point, yeah. yeah, those days where you're just eating your leftover turkey, you're sat in your, your pyjamas, you're not really doing anything. Yeah. And I thought to myself, what do I want to do in 2022? Mm. And a podcast just made sense. So that week was a week of planning. Yeah. I think I posted on January 1st that I'm doing a podcast. Mm-hmm. Got a bit of momentum, had some early chats. Then I think the first episode of the podcast came out on like the 17th of January with Steve Pugh. Mm. And it just went from there. So it was, instead of walking down the street for the idea, I was sitting eating leftover turkey and the idea came to me. Yeah, I love that. And I guess through the 25 episodes, I think it was 25 episodes that you had like recorded before um, moving on to Tech Nation, the... Was there a, a through line that you saw in the people that you were interviewing or something that you spotted to be consistent among entrepreneurs? I think the consistent thing is that <clears throat> everyone 
doesn't really know what they're doing. Yeah. But the love and the curiosity for it helps them through. Yeah. Um, because, you know, the 25 episodes of the podcast I did, totally different people, mm. you know, from different backgrounds, different sort of experiences, not just in business, but in life. And yeah, I think it's hard to say, yep, that is the definite thing that everybody had because everything was so unique. No, absolutely. I think it's interesting as well to consider where people get the confidence to not know what they're doing, to solve a problem they're really passionate about. What's your kind of startup history in that respect? So my startup history, I always say I've got a fast-tracked sort of... (laughs) like journey into entrepreneurship mm-hmm. because I didn't really start anything until 2019 mm-hmm. so that was, what three years ago something like that sure so 2019 I had left university uh, at Teesside Uni graduated in games design nice um, started working for a media agency they were trying to do sort of VR experiences and things, and they needed the skills of someone that's worked in the games engine, things like that. Yeah. But that's where I met my co-founder, Justin. And in 2020, we started an idea around advertising technology, you know, buying from the TV, using your phone, that sort of thing. Mm. So that was my first sort of introduction to a startup. And then you're learning all these new words like accelerators and raising investment yeah tech stars what is a tech star you know just like <laughs> being completely oblivious yeah to all these you terms all these brands and the brands become completely <clears throat> engulfing in your world all of a sudden but you'd never heard of them before that i guess i think that the, the one for me that just made me scratch my head was unicorn yeah why is everyone talking about unicorns and then yeah. you realize oh unicorn is this okay <laughs> So yeah, that was my first foray into sort of startup world. Um, and then I, I kind of fell into co-leading a pre-accelerator program, mm-hmm. which was interesting because <clears throat> we applied to be on the program. Yeah. But through association, one of the leads actually worked for us. We couldn't be on the program. Oh, wow. Um, so I ended up running the program alongside him. Uh, so, you know, that was a pre-accelerator during... COVID, so it was locked down, everything was virtual. Um, ran two cohorts of that, one virtual for sort of Newcastle businesses, uh, tech businesses, and then the next one we did the UK wide one, which was cool. And that was the first sort of um, experience, exposure, if you will, to community, mm. you know, pitch decks, pitching, yeah. you know investors feedback building your pitch deck from one slide to the next and really crafting a a well-structured pitch and I was just I know I was there to co-lead and support but I was making loads of notes I was I was a student there myself and that was that was an incredible experience and I think I came out of that with a good understanding of okay so this is what it takes to actually you know tell your business to the world yeah. approach investors you know financials and things like that so it was just um an incredible experience and then trying to put that back into the startup that you were running is i found it a bit tricky mm. because it you know it's not just 
it's not like Lego, you just tear this block, you add it to this oh, block. Yeah, you no, know, it's, it's never, it's never <laughs> yeah. like that, is it? You see this perfect system working for someone else, and yeah. you try and put it in your own business, and you see all the things that don't quite line up. So it's, it's, you don't get a template. I think if everyone had the perfect template, no one would struggle to get investment, no one would struggle to hire, no one would struggle to scale a business. Yeah. And that's what's cool about it. You know, everyone is on their own unique path and journey. And if one way works for company A, it's not going to work the same way for company B. Yeah. Um, maybe some crossover, but the one unique in a way like that. Where did you go with the startup then? So with the startup, it was quite interesting. And we made a lot of mistakes along the way, obviously, as everyone does. Um, so we... We got it going. We got some funding in through the Arrow Project through yeah. Newcastle University. Um, so that allowed us to build our MVP essentially, mm-hmm. um, test it with some people. And then instead of speaking to customers, which is still my biggest mistake that I think we made early days, <laughs> not speaking to enough customers. Then, yeah. it, then it brings in the question, how many customers do you speak to? <laughs> but yeah. anyway, uh, we didn't do enough of that at all. Um, and what, what were you building, sorry? It was like a um, phone purchasing thing for TV. So it was an app, essentially. So mm-hmm. image recognition was built on that. So oh, like okay. Google Lens. So something where you could, like, I guess, point your camera at something and find it. Yeah, internet. yeah. So essentially, uh, we work with Nebula Labs in in Newcastle. Dylan's great friend. Yeah. Um, essentially, it was just the Google Lens API. Yeah. Where we were tailoring it towards sort of entertainment and things like that. Oh, okay. Um, but but the way we did, we we pivoted that much. You know, one time it was for you know like advertising. Uh, billboards and things and then it went into entertainment then it went back you know it kind of moved as we went Um, but yeah it was fun we we won went on to win some Innovate UK funding as well Mm -hmm. which is insane if anyone's done that process it's just yeah it's quite long and you have to justify it at multiple steps and stuff it was it's quite taxing yeah and I'm not surprised a lot of people don't get it Mm-hmm. because it was just mind-numbing. Yeah. Um, even the feedback we got back, it was good, but it was just like, this is a slog to get through even the feedback. Yeah. Um, but, you know, we won it and we used that um, funding to, to build out the team and sort of pilot it abroad, actually. We, we, went, we didn't go to the Philippines, but we launched it in the Philippines. Oh, interesting. What was the logic behind that? <clears throat> Well, the first obvious one is my co-founder Justin's from the Philippines. Okay, yeah. Um, so we had um, just that family out there. Yeah. So they could sort of oversee it there, and overheads were cheaper. Mm-hmm. Access to people was quicker. Um, we ran it through Facebook campaigns and opened up a whole new sort of marketing demographic for us. Yeah, and I guess lot. your idea yeah. is like just to prove traction. Here. Yeah, yeah, and I think. It's an interesting way to do it. Um, we certainly saved a lot of money, mm-hmm. um, but there was just something, I don't know, missing. Maybe we were too slow as a team to to push it, but yeah, it's still one that puzzles me. 
to this day. Really? What was the ultimate sort of end point for you then with this startup? So the end point really, I would say, was the state of the climate, to be honest, the state of the, the economy, the cost of living and things like that. Yeah. Um, and pouring so much heart and soul into it for it to not get the traction or the progression as I would have liked. Yeah. And then the opportunity came with Tech Nation. And, you know, I, I told my co-founder, I goes, listen, Tech Nation, there's a, there's a role there that I feel I could do really well. Mm. I'm thinking of taking it. And that in itself was, you know, that was difficult to even send that message or even have that conversation mm. because I felt like I've given so much and there's still much, so much more I can give. Mm. But then it wasn't an awkward conversation. My co-founder understood completely, mm-hmm. supported me throughout and now I'm with Technation. But looking back, would I have done anything differently? Yeah, I think everyone has that those thoughts. I would have made some changes with hiring. You know, I wouldn't have hired certain people. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't have done things different way. But that's all hindsight, isn't it? And it's all a learning curve. Yeah, and that's all important to recognise as well. I think it's tough if you if you stop doing something and you put it in a box and you kind of try never to look at it. It's it's like you're robbing yourself of the real value of like of the experience as well because you know it's tough to put your heart and soul into something and for it not to to take this trajectory that you saw for it when you were putting that work in but it's also just that um you know the the pursuit and what you've learned from from doing that is also kind of what makes you so good at what you do now and having the empathy for other people going through that process right now you know I'm kind of intrigued by um, game design. I want to know, like, why why did you pick game design? Was that something you really were passionate about? Uh, to be honest, I, people may not know this, but before I even went to uni for game design, I qualified as a car mechanic, so there's a difference there in my life. <laughs> wow. Um, yeah, yeah, you know, I think my childhood and teenage years, I always grew up of not really knowing what I wanted to do. Yeah. And I always liked to try different things. So that's why I went down the car mechanic route. You know, I grew up in a household where getting a trade was the norm. Mm-hmm. And then being a nerdy kid, playing Call of Duty until like daft o'clock in the morning, you know, just yeah. game design just felt right. I enjoyed it. Um, but then I think that's the beauty of life. You know, you, you, you aim for one thing and you might veer off and do a completely different thing I think that's so like it's definitely the case with me and it's definitely the case with millions of more people mm. yeah the game design it was fun and but I think what it gave me was you know a great insight into leadership mm-hmm. and sort of project management and that sort of thing sure and patience as well because we did a lot of team stuff and yeah. at uni level those those team activities can flourish or they can yeah. get stuck in the mud and obviously <laughs> <Famously> challenging <laughs> so that was it was fun and you know joining the agency then starting to start up you know and you just couldn't have predicted those things yeah so but the whole life lessons i always take bits of lessons from each of them 
I think it's an interesting point. Did you have a, a sort of an influence that you can point to that took you from car mechanic to going to uni? Because it's tough to be paid for something and then to go to uni and become a student again. <clears throat> Was how long were you a car mechanic for actually before that as well? Uh, I didn't last long. Um, did did my qualification, did my apprenticeship. And then when it came to it, it was like, my heart isn't in this. Um, I I don't know what age I was. 17, 18 maybe. Mm. Um, Just felt I could be doing more. No disrespect to any car mechanics because it's a valuable trade. But for me personally, it just got to the point where it's like, realisation with myself was like, okay, I'm 18. Mm -hmm. Am I going to spend the rest of my life doing this? Yeah, yeah. Is there more in me? Can I can I do something else? Mm-hmm. And that's why it led into sort of game design. I mean, there was a there was a year off in between that, you know, of not knowing what to do, a bout of depression and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, the rudderless year where you're kind of like, what am I doing? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Spending the last of my student loan and just waiting for something to come, you know, getting rejected by jobs and things and just being a bit lost. But it was a close friend of mine who said, why don't we just go back to college and study like game design, things like that. Yeah. I was like, sure, why not? And then it just just went from there and ended up getting a degree in it. It was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, no, it certainly seems like a valuable way to go. Like if you're flipping a coin, it feels like now that's, that's kind of like the lucky outcome to get, you know, if you weren't sure where you were going to go and you pick getting a degree, like... That feels universally quite handy now. Is game design something that you still, like, entertain as a career choice at all? Because that kind of creative, technical skill is quite an interesting one to me. Yeah, I think the, the design and sort of planning element of it comes into sort of the UX side of, you know, building an app or something like that. So uh, I saw them skills I learned there transition into that, sort of giving my two cents to the design team and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but it, it is interesting now that I'm with Technation and you, you sort of chat with startups and scale-ups on a regular basis, you kind of see where the region is ahead in other places. So games... The games industry in the northeast is quite booming. Mm. You know, we've got some great gaming companies up here. Um, but I have that confidence of knowing what they're talking about when they're talking technical terms, mm. because of, you know, that's what I learned at university. So, if they're talking about, you know, pixel art and things like that, it's like I know what that is. I, I did that. Yeah. Or some more technical terms like rendering and stuff like that. You know, I, I'm, yeah. I'm on that level sort of thing. But would I go back into it? I don't know. It's like I don't think any of my career choices have been planned. To be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> would you say you're quite? Um, what's the word? I think, I guess, quite easygoing with how much of a plan you need moving forwards because I kind of feel like that's something that founders um, or people that work with founders also kind of need to have is an ability to just accept a new plan of action or is that something that you've developed over time? I think you definitely have to be on your toes and I know you can't prepare for the inevitable of Mm -hmm. whatever life might throw at you but I think you've just got to be in the present. Yeah. 
yeah, you can plan ahead. Obviously, you speak to investors and things, and you know what would you call them? Startup leaders or tech leaders or whatever, and they they talk about what's your three year plan, what's your five year plan. Mm-hmm. It's like dude I don't even know what shoes I'm wearing next morning you know what I mean yeah. Uh, so yeah I think you know what you want to achieve in life and I think I know what I want to achieve in life even though it might change tomorrow yeah. um, but I think being in the present is so important as well mm-hmm. like what can I do now what can I see in the next question to impact the future you know what I mean yeah um, yeah I think have one eye on the future, kind of know what you want to do, but also accept that the reality is it's going to change and you've got to be sort of semi-prepared for that. Yeah, no, that's kind of interesting because it feels like you got into almost um, like an advisory role for other startups fairly quickly. And I feel like that's quite a valuable thing to know how to do anyway, because that like just being a good founder isn't great for helping other people be good founders yeah it's quite a different skill to look at someone else and be able to relate that to like a personal struggle or a struggle you've seen in someone else yeah, it is interesting that because I, I wouldn't consider myself a good founder at all you know really? I, I was a founder that most of the time didn't know what i was doing made a lot of mistakes had some bad experiences mm-hmm and the you know I left a, a project that I fully fully believe still can go places, but I stepped out of it. Mm-hmm. So my if people look back on my history in entrepreneurship, there's no accolades in there. There's no awards in there. Mm. But I feel what I I do have is goes back to the podcast is that reality. I have been there and I have done it. I haven't done it well, but I've been there and done it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've made these mistakes and I've been exposed to these things and sort of took my own interpretations from it. Got advice from really good people. Got advice for some, from people that just want to talk and provide no real value. But mm. th- that's bringing that into this role. I feel I can relate more to a founder because... I've seen the highs and lows, if that makes sense. Uh, I've yeah. kind of experienced the bad and some of the good. <laughs> it's funny that you don't see yourself as a good founder because I, I think in terms of like the quantitative and qualitative things, you actually are a good founder. I mean, you've got like an Innovate UK grant under your belt and you've built something that has essentially outlasted you because you've left the project and it's still going. Um, and I think that to me qualifies success um, because it doesn't matter how much you change or what you change. If it doesn't out, outlast your presence, then it feels like it's not really a thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know. I would almost contest that you're not a good founder. I think you're reluctantly a good founder. Yeah. I, 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 don't, I don't know. I, I don't like labels, I guess. Yeah. Um, but maybe, like, uh, quantify success. What is success? You know, success to some people might be successfully raised investment, scaled a startup, exited, that mm. sort of thing. Yeah, I guess because you live in the future, though, as a founder, a lot yeah. of the time it's tough to, to quantify anything today yeah. as success because you've got a next version of success coming up around the corner kind of thing. Yeah. 
I guess, okay, I'll, I'll take away one good thing, mm-hmm. is that the the startup didn't die under my reign. It's still going. <laughs> <laughs> what is it doing now? Do you, do you ever, like, check back in and see how it's oh, operating? Yeah. I, th- I think that's the beauty of starting anything. You know, Justin was my co-founder, but he's forever my best friend. I think that's the 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 good thing that's that's definitely come out of it you know a, a friendship that's stayed yeah you hear some businesses falling apart and it's kind of like quite bad you know founders have fell out they've not talked to one another and stuff yeah but Justin and I meet up regularly um, last time we were at the new Popeyes chicken in Metro Center you know it's like nice. you know, we're still good friends so I think that that is the big plus point for me coming out of that yeah because okay the business didn't go where we wanted it and things like that but still I'm connected with the people that were in it I'm still good friends with them yeah um, so yeah and in this role as well st- still speak to Justin about plans and things that he's got going on and see if I can help in any way I can yeah absolutely I think that's another thing that maybe naively at the start I didn't measure as success it's like the relationship you have with people you work with or are friends with but when you get really obsessed with something that actually becomes something that's quite important to prioritize or consciously remember. Um, yeah, it's interesting because obviously I've founded um, my business with my best friend both times yeah. and we've remained really good friends, but it's just like sometimes you forget that it's not just you kind of end up taking this person for granted and expect them to be there for you all the time. And I think it's easy for people to mess that up. Um, yeah. It emphasises how important people are yeah. in this journey. Um, you know, if you're a solo founder, it's what co-founder do you get? Or do you even get a co-founder? Who do you surround yourself with? Yeah. You know, and it's those people-to-people, peer-to-peer sort of relationships that if, you know... You do a project it doesn't go anywhere you come out of that and look for the next thing it's those people that you meet and build relationships along the way that'll be the ones that'll have your back when it doesn't go so well mm. and i think that's so important in in since 2019 met a whole range of people and figured out very quickly their their, their motives and understand okay they're they're in this for the long haul. They're, they're an actual value add as a friend, as a connection in your network. And then you soon realise the ones that are sort of the startup leeches, <laughs> yeah. which, which is a term that's thrown around a bit. Um, so it's so important. People it was like we're in a space today that thrives on people. Mm. And you were there the other day as the city winner for one of the city winners for the Rising Stars and. I think I said it in my quite lengthy, terribly put together sort of speech <laughs> at the end. It's like the people in this room at that time on that day. It's like it shows the good that an ecosystem can can bring together. People are so important, and I think the more people we know, the more people that we get to build relationships with. It's not really a might not be a monetary sort of thing, but if it's an, a knowledge bank that you can draw upon at any time and add value to their network and your network, I think it's so important. I think mm. it's so important to have those 
important people around you to really push you when you're down as well or if you've just got a query on something you know people have doing that journey alongside you or being there done that you know going to them with a question and them giving you an answer back how good does that feel when you get yeah. an answer back that you're like oh I, I didn't know that two minutes ago yeah okay let's go away let's put it in there what i'm working on it's so so important and that's what i try to do with this role you know to try and give back that sort of knowledge and experience that i've sort of acquired over the years and relate to the founder and hopefully that builds a better relationship you know they might not work with technician straight away but in the future they might come involved with one of our programs so it's yeah I can't stress enough how important people are yeah absolutely for anyone listening carl's uh, tech nation rising star city winner's speech was very good <laughs> and there was some uh, terrible attempts at comedy in there but... no i know <laughs> No, I think, um, how, yeah, it's a really beautiful point, well made, about how people that you surround yourself with are the people supporting you, and it's, it's really important. Um, and I think it's important to know when those people are being honest with you, and it's tough for them to be honest with you, and to appreciate, like, criticism in that way, or, or appreciate people yeah. helping you even when it doesn't feel great. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, it's yeah. That is so important to understand. Like, I've gone through it in the past. You know, people that are sort of picking apart your idea and things, and you know, saying like, "Oh, this will never work." You thought about this. Oh, this is terrible. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. But nine times out of ten, it's coming from a good place and a good place of experience, and it's not just for them to crush someone's dreams. It's actually. <laughs> To give some value back but then you've got others that just say these things with no real value see a lot of them um, yeah it's so important understanding like you said different people and what they're what's in it for them sort of thing so I've worked with people that you know unfortunately the what's in it for them was more you know definitely what's in it for them so what's yeah. my benefit out of this what can I get out of this instead of how can I contribute and grow this thing and be a valuable member? So it's... Um, yeah, yeah, the leeches, the transactional, the nature of it. Yeah. So um, what is next for you? Are you looking to stay at Technation for a while and build out this role and build out your kind of support network in, in that world? Yeah, I think, well, the other day was my 90th day at Technation, so... Out of probation now. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Yeah, no, I think this is the the happiest I've been in mm -hmm. a very long time. Um, the the role itself is so up my street. Mm -hmm. You know, it's uh, having meetings with scale ups and startups on a daily. For me, it's like doing a podcast each day. It's like yeah. so cool. Um, and then giving value back to them and sort of making um, suggestions or connections that they may need. And then hearing like a few weeks later that that founder coming back to me and saying, oh, thanks for that connection with such and such, really important, this is what we're doing now. It, it, it gives you a good feeling mm. and I want more than good feelings. So I just want to continue to, to help the the tech leaders, the, the entrepreneurs in the Northeast, 
and help them make, you know, help them be one percent better or get a connection that'll put them in the right direction of what they want to do. Um, it's it's pretty cool when you say that and they they come back and say you helped me there like shit. <laughs> yeah, Thanks. I think that's awesome. <laughs> Um, yeah, I've got to thank you for your time today, and um, yeah, hopefully see much more of you in the future as well. You will, you will. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a fan of, of founder <laughs> sessions. Yeah. Of, you know, a once fan a major supporter and key advisor <laughs> to founder sessions. Yeah, I think a point on 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 the founder sessions stuff. I, I don't know what time we're at, but you asked me a few weeks ago to give you a quote for Newcastle University, mm. and. In that small sort of paragraph, it's like it doesn't do it justice. I could say so much more, um, but passing the podcast on to you was just, just you know when you just feel it like this is a good decision I'm about to make because <laughs> um, your enthusiasm and your ideas for it just goes. That's how I was feeling back when I started. Mm. So it was like an out of body experience. I felt like I was seeing myself almost. Yeah. So now you, you've took over the podcast. Had some fantastic guests on. Um, shame you got me on to to ruin the the track record of great guests. No, you're for the Christmas special. <laughs> oh, get in. <laughs> um, but yeah, Alex, you know what you're doing. The podcast is amazing. I'm I'm well and truly the number one fan. Thank you very much. <laughs> it really does mean a lot that you like it as well because I think um, yeah, it's. It's an interesting experience taking over something that someone else has started. Yeah. Um, and I only wanted to do it because it meant so much to me as well. Um, and I think when you were doing Tech Nation, too busy to, to run the podcast yourself, I kind of felt that, um, you know, it not being there to me was a problem, you yeah. know, and that was like the founder of me said, this is a problem that needs to be solved. You yeah. know, I could, I could find a way to solve this or I could find a way to push myself outside the box and like host a podcast, even though it's not something that I would probably naturally start on my own. But that's the value, I think, of you starting it in the first place. Thanks, man. When the, um, I give you the sign which was like, you know, passing over the torch sort of thing. Mm. Um, Mo, who I work with, you know, we, we hopped on a call one day and he said, you know what, I missed the founder session sign behind you. It's like, mm. it's all right, it's in a better place. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thank you very much. No, thank you. Thanks for listening to Founder Sessions. I hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me in the new year for another inspiring chat. In the meantime, have a great Christmas and Happy New Year.